Hello, everyone. This is a podcast today for our Monarch Society. And for those of you that follow uh, my podcast at any time, you know that I'm very passionate about um, leading a movement of God of prayer and awakening in our nation and in the nations of the earth. And in this particular season, um, I feel so instructed by the Lord that there's something that he is doing uniquely among female leadership. Um, that this move of God through the Monarch Society, it's not just about women, but it is definitely led by women and what God is requiring of daughters in this hour. I was just sharing with Jose before we started this podcast, one of my pet peeves about women's ministry and women's movements is we feel like only women can speak to women. You know, I go to women's conferences, it's all female leaders or women encouraging one another. Um, and that's just not balanced in the kingdom. We need each other, male and female. Adam was man and woman, and the true reflection of God is both. And so I'm very passionate about if God does call me to do something with women, there has to be a balance of apostolic leadership, fathers in the faith that cover and speak into the process. And when I look at women throughout scripture who changed um, the nation they were in, somehow they were partnered with male leadership that covered them, protected them, spoke over them. So in the monarch society, we very much are, we feel like we're in an Esther movement. And in the story of Esther, it would not be a story if it wasn't for Mordecai um, and the male leadership covering he provided. Um, in fact, when I look at a true Mordecai and the spirit, he adopted her when she was nothing. You know, he believed in her when she was an orphan. He earned her trust, guided her before she ever had potential. And then when she did have potential, she trusted his leadership. And I think that's what we need more of in the realm of women's leadership is men that have actually earned the trust of daughters that love them, cover them, and invest in them, whether they can get anything from them or not. Um, and then when these women do reach places of prominence, which we know is what's happening in the society around us, they will have voices they can lean on and trust. That's what I want in my life. So uh, you're our first Mordecai, uh, Mordecai moment of 2024. And I have uh, one of those such Mordecais here. So I have a personal friend today. I'm going to let um, him tell a little bit about who he is, but his name is Jose Diaz. Um, and he has been a gift in mine and Kevin's life. So I'm not good with um, sentimental moments, but here we are facing each other in this podcast room. And I want to say he has truly been a Mordecai to me. In the little time we've known each other, he has not hesitated to speak the word of the Lord, cover me in prayer, been a source of wisdom. And I absolutely know without hesitation, he would shut me down and correct me at any moment that I needed it in love. Um, and that that my um, calling in God is is the interest that he has. My best interest is your motivation. Um, I see how you are a husband to your wife. I see how you are as a father to your children. And you truly believe in both the voice of males and females in the kingdom in this hour. And I have been grateful for your personal friendship and leadership. And that's why you're here today. Because if, as I'm taking you to the Monarch Society, that's all my girls, I want them to hear from you also. So I want to start, um, Jose, but why don't you tell them a little bit about what you do? I never know what can be said out loud and what can't because you do so much here, so much in the underground church. But just tell them a little bit about who you are, and then let's dive into what you feel like God is saying to women in leadership. Awesome. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for you guys having to hear my voice like this. This is what I do sound like for most most of my life. 100%. But um, And I love you and Kevin and your whole family, and I love this church. And, you know, we've been, Dina and I, since really since 2020, have, have been strictly from the Lord, really not traveling, not doing much before that. 
We travel 200,000 miles a year. We go to like 15 countries a year. And the Lord told us to shut it all down for seasons. So you guys are really one of the few that we feel to come and, and just be with and be intentional with. So, uh, well, I am a part of an amazing organization called GCM, Global Catalytic Ministries. And uh, we were founded in Iran, which I think is very fitting oh, yes. for, for today. But we were founded in Iran and we're, you know, we're, uh, and, I, and I don't want to just say we're an underground church planting movement because we're actually in over 25 nations now, not just in the Middle East. But we started off as an underground church planting movement, and, and which is still a big heart of ours, is the Muslim world. God's heart for the Muslim world, God's end time plan and purpose for the, for the Muslim world. A lot of people don't realize this. The, the predominant people group that the Lord is going to use to bring unbelieving Israel to repentance is Muslim background believers. And so our, our organization started off in Iran and you know since then we're in Afghanistan, I- Iraq, Pakistan, uh, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, you know all the vacation hotspots of the world. Mm-hmm. We were there, ground zero, boots on the ground when everything happened in Afghanistan, um, and and you know we saw a few hundred churches get planted through all that. Many people get baptized, and so a lot of what we do is 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 obviously church planning, disciple making. We do a lot of training on disciple making and church planning in all of our churches. So we've let's say GCM has planted a thousand churches, but we've never planted a GCM church. All of our churches are decentralized. There's no names on the church. There's no brand. There's no website, uh, and most of them are underground. But we have churches in a, in Argentina, and Brazil, and in Italy, and England, where we use kind of our disciple making model. So I'm specifically over the worship and prayer department of GCM, and and some people are always like, "What does the worship department do for an organization like that?" Well, number one, so like I work with about 25 or 30 young worship leaders in the West that we're imparting the, the Maranatha language, just that underground church message and, and writing songs that carry that message. And it's really, it's the Esther message, right? It's the, really, it's the Mordecai message to an Esther generation, that that Maranatha, whether by life or by death, that, that heartbeat. But then the second thing is we, you know, with like, for example, places like Saudi Arabia or Yemen, where the gospel is brand new in these places, as a church is being birthed with it, it's, 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 it's hymns, it's songs are being birthed. And so we feel a real uh, 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 burden from the Lord to help steward these Davids that are coming awake in these Muslim countries. And so we want to begin to take resources and train and equip, equip worship leaders in Muslim countries on songwriting and prophetic worship and begin to raise up the tabernacle of David in these places and then put their music out there. And then my wife and I, we live in Hamilton, Alabama. We just moved there from Philadelphia, so it's quite the transition. We're part of the leadership team of the ramp. You know, it was Miss Karen Wheaton, who I would say is a, is a real Esther and a real, I don't know, few leaders that carry a burden for this generation the way she does. So it's quite quite a dichotomy, the ramp to GCM. But we, we, we feel like, and it's the last thing I'll say, like I feel like for Dana and I, our biggest calling is to live in tension. And people don't like tension, but there's something about finding God in the midst of tension that's beautiful. And so our life is mostly lived in tension right now. I think they're so powerful. And I think it's powerful for the the leaders listening to hear what you do, because you're not just a college professor or someone who sits and studies your Bible and writes devotions, your boots on the ground doing what the gospel says to do. 
literally risking your life um, for his kingdom. And I think that's important if you're going to lead leaders for them to know you lead by experience and by example, not just in word only. I think it's awesome that you're partnered with Karen. She's also one of our monarchs and um, was one of the first leaders I sat down with with this vision when it started and the first one that really pushed me forward to do it um, and has been such an example in my life. So, yeah, we're both big Karen fans in this room. And um, I just... I think I want to jump and start where I thought we might end. Um, as you talk about what you're a part of now, before we get into the nitty gritty of what you would say to female leaders, I want them to understand what movement you're helping to lead. So I know it's Iran, but, you know, in the South, we say Iran. A lot of people say Iran. And part of this monarch movement is the act of running. So strange, I know, but we do prophetic acts and you get it. Um, a lot of people prayer walk, we prayer run. And it was last July, um, I'll be two years this July, that the Lord said, get up and start running. And when I was running, he began to download the vision and running being the pace at what he's moving right now with female leaders. But it was just a few months ago when we were doing one of our rain gatherings in Arkansas, we were doing our run that um, an intercessor came to me and said, the Lord said, take the, the nation of Iran and break it down. It says, Iran, that Esther was the first one who ever ran. Um, for the kingdom, and we truly are fulfilling her miss mission, that this mission is tied to the Middle East in some way. That's a little more than my brain can wrap around right now. We are on a targeted um, mission for this nation. We're going to seven gateways to run and pray before the close of this year. But I know even at the beginning of this vision, you prophesied over me, you will run in other nations. This is bigger than what is here. Yes. So this Esther movement um, it does center around the movement of the Middle East and Israel. And I don't know what that will look like in the future, but right now there really is an Esther movement taking place in Iran. There are women who are doing what we're conditioning and praying for, and you're a part of that. Yeah. So can you just give us a snippet or a commercial of understanding the, the true Esther movement happening in the earth right now? Yeah, so there's, there's so much to it. And, and, and stop me if I get too deep, but I, but I think it's important. Because yeah, I, I think you know with the Esther moment, with Esther movement that we're in, the moment that we're in. So it's women, it it is the Middle East, but it's women, and I think it's connected. It's always been connected to the future salvation of Israel. And I just say this, and I think it's amazing that you guys are runners. I'm a runner as well. And there's a phrase that I, I always think about when running is really hard. And I forget his name now. He was an Olympic runner and was also a missionary. And the phrase he would say is, "I feel his pleasure when I run." And and, wow. and one of the reasons I think running is a thing is I think we're, we're coming to the finish line of history. Wow. We're coming to that that final moment in history. And 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 the, the climax of the final moment in history is two things. And I, I'm, I'm going to go in a circular way, but we'll connect it. It's the salvation of Israel. I mean, this, this is the climax of human history is the salvation, the national salvation of Israel and the Jewish people. Because in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus... He, 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 he gives us a massive uh, 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 key here, and the key is this. He looks at the leaders of Jerusalem, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? How long to gather your children as a mother and gather chicks? You will not see me again until you. Now that you is not you and I, Devin. It's Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. Until you learn to say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And so so Jesus' earthly kingdom, the millennium, cannot begin until Jewish leaders in Jerusalem actually call him by name to come back. So that's massive. And so the rage of Satan right now is against Israel. And who is Satan, who's Israel's biggest aggressor? 
It's who's going to be Israel's best friend in the future, Iran. Iran is going to become Israel's best friend. Wow. So there's an amazing, for example, in the book of Jeremiah, there's an amazing prophecy. I, I, you got you to forgive me. I think it's Jeremiah 31, but it might be 39, something like that, 31 or 39. And he says to Elam, which is modern day Iran, by the way, in Acts chapter two, the first three people groups, there's multiple, but the first three people groups that receive the Holy Spirit are all modern day Iran. The three Magi are most likely from Iran. The only people group in the Bible to historically bless the Jewish people are Iranians, Persians. So there, there's something massive there. And I think that's why the rage of Satan is against them. But the Lord says to Elam, he says, I'm going to remove your kings and your queens. That happened in 1979 in the, in the revolution. And then he says this, he says, I will set my throne within Elam. I'll set my throne in Elam. But it's crazy because we know, we know that, that his, his main throne in the millennium will be in Jerusalem. But then he says, I'm going to set my throne in Elam. In other words, there's a massive end time kingdom purpose for e Iran that the enemy with all of his rage is going after Iran with massive rage. And I really believe this. The reason the Lord is giving you guys this inter intercessory assignment to Iran, it's in order to, uh, it, uh, it's crazy because I hear it in my spirit, it's to initiate and to instigate this, this coming end time move of the Lord. And, and again, it's for the salvation of Israel. Because here's the deal, you and I can preach the gospel to the Jewish people and it's not going to do much. But when when an Iranian background believer, Israel's enemy, is burning with love for her Messiah and 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 loves Israel, I mean, it, it, it will be one of the greatest signs and wonders in history. And so this is what we're seeing. And by the way, it won't just be Iran. I believe it'll be a lot of the Middle East. The, the two particular countries that the Lord highlights the most in Scripture, and, and I would have time to develop this, but is Iran and Saudi Arabia. And what's amazing about that is Iran is the number one exporter of terrorism in the world. Israel's number one enemy. Saudi Arabia is the birthplace of Islam. But both of these places are going to be flipped upside down, wow. and there's going to be a massive harvest, and there will be they will be some of Israel's greatest friends in the time of, in the time coming up, which will be Israel's time of greatest trouble. Jeremiah, that's Jeremiah 31. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 39 is, um, I'll set my throne upon your lap. Now, so, you know, our movement began in Iran with women, which which is amazing because, as you know, Muslim women don't have many rights. They don't have a voice. Like, for right, for example, right now in Afghanistan, which we're, we're in Afghanistan, it is illegal for a woman, a single woman, to go take a walk in a park. For a woman to go by herself. A woman cannot work for a nonprofit organization. We just, it was just a whole bunch of um, women that were just arrested. And a, a woman, a single woman, cannot go on a drive that's two out, over two hours by herself just to be accompanied by a, a male family member. You know, so you're talking about a world where there's not much human rights or women's rights. And I'll, and I'll touch on that in a second because I think there's something important to that. So our movement started with women. Um, essentially, the founder of our organization, his wife, was a radical jihadist Muslim. Uh, uh, you know, went to fundamentalist school, uh, uh, she was religious police, you know, beating women that weren't dressed well and, and essentially has a radical encounter with Jesus comes to the Lord. And, and, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, Islam is actually dead inside of Iran. Most of the mosques are empty. People are disillusioned with Islam inside of Iran. Uh, uh and that's why the gospel is so fertile there, wow. you know, and again, people don't know that. And this is, let me just say this. 
and I forgot to say this in my intro, but this is a good way to put it in. One of my jobs is so the prayer director is is we want to raise up inner. I think this is I, this just this year I became the prayer director. So this that's is why we're connected. Exactly. And and my one of my assignments I want to get not only get churches in the West praying for the Middle East, but we need to learn how to pray for the Middle East. Mm-hmm. How we pray for Iran is different than how we pray for Chattanooga. It's just it's just different. You know how you pray for Yemen. How you pray for Somalia, how do you pray for these countries is very, very different. And we need really the wisdom, biblical wisdom on how to approach the subject. So um, so, so this woman begins planting churches in Iran. Uh, uh, and within, like, I think within like in a few years, and she had like 13 or 30, within a year, like 13 or 30 churches. And so the, the Iran, you know, it, it's amazing to say this is this, the Iranian underground church began as a covert uh, uh, women's movement. And here's what's amazing about that. In their mind, their goal is not to have a women's movement. And I think this is one of the things that has hindered women's movement yes. in America. So the women in Iran, like, like for example, I talked to our leaders in the Middle East, like it is so foreign for them to try to change the laws in the country they're in. I mean, they think it's ridiculous. They. They are, and, and I tell people this when I talk about the Middle East. In America, we are our idol, and I, and, I, and I know this might come across as offensive, but and I don't mean it to. Our idol is civil rights, and, and I'm saying this as a Hispanic, whether it be women's rights, whatever. Right? We we want these rights. In the Middle East, their focus is biblical rights, and 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 their understanding is I don't need anybody to change laws about what the government thinks about a woman's voice for me to plant churches, make disciples, and cast out demons. So you have these women, and I think one of the reasons God is moving amongst the women um, in, in, in the Middle East in such a powerful way is because they're not trying to change their government, they're trying to change the people. And so the church is exploding because it's that mix with the lion of Herod. Um, and again, I, I, it, it, it's so different for us in America to think about that. And of course, we'll bring up Esther. Well, Esther, you know, she went to the king there's, there's moments for that. But, but I, I think the end time Esther movement is not about governments. It's about the, it's about the antichrist. It's about, it's about global persecution that's coming. It's about a people that are going to say, I am willing to lay down my civil rights. I'm willing to lay down whatever thing so that the gospel might have maximum impact. You know, in the Middle East, people aren't debating theology. And, and in most of these countries, there's not denominations. There's, that stuff doesn't exist. You have you have the Bible, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have obedience, and you obey Jesus. And so, you know, in Iran, so like I said, these women began to plant churches, and, and then it grew and exploded. From there, it spilled into Afghanistan. And for a long time, our main worker in Afghanistan was a single woman. Uh, uh, in the middle of Afghanistan, you know, in Pakistan, we had I think it's I think it was Pakistan. We had two 13-year-old illiterate girls planting churches. You know, we have all these stories of these amazing women. But I just want to say this. I think I think what makes it so special is, is it's not a big deal that it's women. In in our mind, it's it's like all boots on the ground. You need as many people for the harvest as possible. So it isn't this big thing. It's only a big thing here. Here, it's like, tell us about the fact that there's women planting churches. Over there, it's like, they're disciples. Disciples make disciples. If you are not making a disciple, you're not a disciple. 
if you're not multiplying, you're not a disciple. So yeah, so you know, it, it is amazing. You know, it's a sign and a wonder to be a woman in a Muslim country with apostolic authority, but but they don't view it the way that we do. It's just part of following Jesus. I want to stop you right there. Don't lose your train of thought. Oh, I want you to keep the circle. But I think you just said a mouthful that is so important for this monarch movement. Um, and if we're going to partner correctly with what God is doing in the earth and in the nations, we have to adopt this mentality. And you said it so beautifully, what I have not been able to get into words. And it's this, this is not a woman's movement. It's just a movement that women are leading. What's yes. happening in the Middle East, that's what it should be here. That's what the monarch society is supposed to be. And if we don't stop doing movements that are actually separated, segregated, and not kingdom, it won't work. This is not a women's movement. This is a kingdom movement that God has called some women to lead. And and secondly, you're saying that, you know, their motivation is for the move, the progression of the kingdom, not their own rights. No. And that I feel like has even infected the church. The movements of women in the church are all about advancing the ministry of women. And I just want to vomit. I'm so over it. Um, I don't want to be at tables that I'm at because of my gender, or I don't want to be treated differently because of my gender. I do. I'm the same way with like Hispanic stuff. I can be a part of it. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do you just that. Want to be anointed, right? You just want to be I a child. Oh, hey, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. who cares? You know, we need more Hispanic missionaries. We just need missionaries. Forget it. I'll take whoever says yes. Anyways. Well, no, I love that. I'm about to, to send you back on. I just think that's important for all of the leaders listening to hear and grab hold of what you've joined is not a women's movement. It's a movement that some women are leading and we're not here to make the life life better for women. We're here to glorify Jesus and whatever, whether it's young people, old people, male, female, black, white, rich, poor, Hispanic, whatever God leads, it's just about those who have said yes to the call. I think that's so important to see that true revival in the Middle East, that's part of the earmarks of those that God is calling to lead it. And it's important. So go right back onto that circle about what is happening. No, that's, I, I love that you just brought that up because that's so, it's so important. And one of the things, uh, to be honest, we've been, we've been doing, um, I, you know, this is probably the first time I'm going to share something kind of sensitive uh, uh, that we've never really shared what well, we have, but not like in this kind of sense, you know, this past year, the founder of our movement fell and we, we had to, we had to remove him. And, and you know, what changed him was beginning to do ministry in America. And, and, and so, you know, there's that film about our organization, Sheep Among Wolves, volume one, volume two. And it was amazing how coming here, and listen, I love America. This is my home. I love the American church. But, but he, that, 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 that rawness, like that zeal, that, that John the Baptist thing that he had, it, it left and he became, he came here and, and he got a taste of like celebrity Christianity because in a weird way, he, he kind of was because of the film and everything changed. And, and so, you know, for us, so for us right now as an organization, we are like, we, we will have no celebrities. Um, um, and so even, we've even taken a step back where we're like, we're not even going to make it about a particular country. It's about the gospel and it's about the gospel going forth. And this is the beauty of the Middle East. It's, it's one of the few places that, and like, like China, places like that, where you could still be nameless and faceless. You know, we, we love, there's a lot of famous people talking about being nameless and faceless. So we feel an urgency as an organization that we, we need to do everything we can to kill any celebrityism, 
to kill anything that that would that would do that. So like I, I think I told you guys this this past year, uh, well this last month, everybody knows December is the biggest month for five hundred one c three organizations. We did not do an end of the year campaign, and and we said we will not use any of our testimonies as an opportunity to get money. It's the Lord. So this is the way we move in forward because this is the way it operates in the Middle East. If it's God, it'll continue. If it's not, we'll go do something else. And 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 that's the true, I think that's the true Esther spirit. And we were just talking about this earlier. And this is what I see with people in the Middle East. First of all, so so I'll say this. So a, a lot of our church planners there are, are, are naturally born people. So like we have one woman in particular, I won't say her name, um, she's in Saudi. I mean, she's been a believer there for like 20 years. She might be one of the first believers in Saudi Arabia, you know, and and, and, and it's amazing that like, this, this is the kind of women that we need speaking to women in America. You just bring them. How can and, we learn from them? And, and, you know, it, but they're very careful they're, because, and here's what's beautiful about when you live there, you're forced to be nameless and faceless because it could cost you your life. It could cost you your life. So it's almost like persecution in a, in a weird way is like a little gift to keep you pure, you know? Um, and so, so you have that. And then you have some of our people that we launch from the West and it's, it's a sacrifice. One of our leaders, he goes to the Middle East for three months. Then he comes home for a month. He has two kids. This is the price his, his family is paid and you'll never know his name. And, and so we, we've changed the way we do everything. We're not going to make it about one country or anything. So I think, you know, looking at Esther being in an Esther moment, and we were talking about this, and people don't always like talking about this. Esther, up until one moment, was a Jew living in compromise. And what is the compromise? It's the God of comfort. And I think this is the the greatest, if I could speak anything to women, or just really anybody in America, but but we're, we're talking to women right now, I think the God of comfort. And and it, it and if there's one thing I noticed, and you know, I've traveled, I've traveled a lot, I've been around a lot of different places, is we love to be comfortable and we love to be in American churches are some of the most comfortable places on the earth. It's not the way it was supposed to be. And, and that's why we don't make disciples. That's why we don't go out to look for lost people because we're so comfortable. And I think if the Lord is saying anything to women right now, if there's, if there's a message that's coming from the Esther movement in the Middle East to women in the West, it's, I think you're too comfortable. I think we're, I'm too comfortable. I think we're all too comfortable. And that's why we're not seeing multiplication. We're seeing transfer growth. We're seeing just just the same people doing the same thing, going from event to event to event. And so Esther is a Jew, a Jewish girl in Iran, in Persia, living in compromise. And and I think there's a lot of people living in compromise today. And you can still have your identity and, and be who you are. But And the compromise isn't always like sexual sin. I think the compromise is when you, you quit living, you, you quit having danger in your life. You know, I look at Matthew chapter 10, Luke 10. What does Jesus say? I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. In America, we're just sheep among sheep or we're wolves among sheep, to be honest, is what we're seeing in the body of Christ today. But like, there's there's no danger anymore. We pay a lot of money to be safe. And that safe has taken an edge off of us that has actually made the sword that we're swinging pretty dull. It, 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 it It's pretty dull. And so, so Esther's in, you know, she's in her compromise state and, and that death is getting ready to come to the Jewish people. And I'll just say this, you know, that's when Mordecai comes to her and we know the famous conversation, who knows, perhaps, you know, da, 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 da. maybe for such a time as this, you were born. Esther's response for me is what the cry the Lord wants to put. And listen, I think God is highlighting women. 
just like he highlighted Esther. And I think the reason the Lord is highlighting women is, is, is it's almost like pulling a fast, I don't know why it's like the thought that comes to me is like pulling a fast one on the enemy. And there's something about women, and I've seen this like in my wife, when women catch the urgency of the hour, they kick into a gear that men do not. And so I don't believe this is about God's exalting women. I think it's about the hour. Oh, no, what you're saying is so powerful. I, I want to like rewind and make them hear it again. God is not exalting women to make up for lost time. God is not exalting women because we've been denied rights. And some women are going to get mad at me when they hear this. God is not exalting women because we deserve back pay for bad treatment. God is exalting women for such a time as this. And that is so important to know. And um, I think that's what makes a movement like this and what's happening in the Middle East different than a civil rights movement or the feminist movement. That yeah, there's no feminism. None of our women leaders are feminists. Right. It's the timing. And what I've always believed, whether it's right, wrong or indifferent, is this whole this whole thing. I've taught it before to this group. This whole thing started with the actions of a woman in the garden. And even when um, the Lord was speaking to Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, there'll be enmity between her seed and, and you. There was this fight picked between what a woman would produce and the enemy. And so I feel like as time is coming to a close, it will be the hands of women that have to finish it, not because we have so many more rights that need to be made up for. It is timing and it's completion. And we've got to be in position because, you know, the Jewish people, you can you can help me if I'm on target. Jose, you know so much more about that culture. He speaks Hebrew and all those good things. But, you know, they light their candle. The woman lights the candle every Shabbat meal to symbolize that it was woman who put the candle of man out. Yeah. And so there is something about women stepping to the plate prophetically now that has really nothing to do with us. Esther being queen really had nothing to do with her. Sure, it made her look good, but it had nothing to do with her. It was, it was about a people. It was about a people. And as long as it was about her, she was comfortable. And it was like Mordecai, I had to remind her, all this can go away tomorrow if you don't use your platform. And the Lord will find someone else. He'll find someone. That's a scary statement. You talked about this at Ramp this weekend. Saul, how God moved on from Saul. God can move on from us. So I think this whole thing you're saying about platform is worth highlighting because of the movement of women happening even in secular culture, it's really easy to take that for our own personal benefit, our own fame, our own name. But I love what you said, because I think what is true in the natural for the church in the Middle East is actually true in the spirit for us. When we give our identity, when we build our platform, we're actually building our own death. And they practice it in the natural. They have to. But maybe we need more of that. Um, We have one of our fellow monarchs, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Her name is uh, Ton Cross. And she did a lot of ministry in the Middle East for several years. And Ton, if you're listening, please forgive me if I tell your business. But... There was a season, Ton totally dropped off social media, totally had to drop off, you know, it's all Instagram, all those things. She went off the grid. And even as a friend, there was only texting we could get her by. And a lot of people thought she was crazy. But the reason why is to do ministry over there, she could not broadcast her identity to the whole world. It's the preservation of God. Yeah, what the American church would push her to do would actually hinder her assignment as boots on the ground. And it always just reminded me that sometimes what we think we're doing for the sake of the kingdom is actually a hindrance. Yeah. And so how do we find that balance, Jose, of me doing a podcast with you because I want to mobilize women, but then resisting the temptation of, of celebrity ministry, uh, ego, like you're talking about, and, and worrying about our platform, which actually become the death of us and God's effectiveness in us. How did Esther balance that tension? 
Well, it's a great question, and it's a very important question. I, you know, I think there's a few things. I think number one, we we have to get over ourselves. You know, one of the things that I love about disciple makers in the Middle East is they don't have tech writers. When they go to a new place to plant churches, there's no hotel preference. There's no set honorarium. There's no preferred water. And so, you know, the, I'll be honest, the Lord's taken Dana and I through a journey where I, I don't ask for anything anymore. I mean, you, you, it, I, I'm sick of preaching things we don't live. I'm, you know, it's like we preach these radical messages and then we have to go back to like the Marriott because that's the only place we'll stay in. Oh my God, stay at home. You know, like, like or I'll preach the most fiery message, but as soon as I'm done, I want to see what that check is. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we, we don't live what we preach. We are idols. I mean, we're as Luciferian, as more Luciferian than we think. It's Isaiah 14. I will ascend. I, 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 me, 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 me. You have to get rid of I. You have to get rid of me. And it needs to become about the Lord again. And again, that what is Esther's statement? When Mordecai gives her this ultimatum, it's if I die, I die. I believe that is the mantra that the Lord wants to give women right now. He wants to give it to everyone. But, and, and I'll get into a revelation the Lord just gave me while you were talking. But, but you know, that if I die, I die. We need that again. And here's the deal. See, death is an inconvenience if I'm building my own empire. But if I'm building Jesus's kingdom, I view death as just, as just like turning up the flame of love for him. Like if it's about the kingdom of God expanding and my death causes the kingdom of God to go further, death is not a disadvantage, it's a gain. Wow. But when I'm building my own kingdom, it's a disadvantage. And we got to quit building our own kingdoms. And and I think if there's anything we can look at in the Middle East that we need here is stop making your stop making about us. Again, whether it's about women or Hispanics or whatever, like forget it. We need to make Jesus the main focus of the conversation. Not you and I. Jesus. It's you know, it's Psalm 115, verse one. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us. But to your name give glory, John. You know, where Jesus says in the Gospel of John, a Father, the uh, John 17, the hour has come for the Father to glorify the Son. And what does the Son do? He then turns around and glorifies the Father. We don't do that. We talk about the Lord, and we, and, 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 and we become like walking brands. It's like all of our ministries, ministers today are just basically brand ambassadors for their own brand that they're building. And Jesus is saying, lay your brand, lay your name, lay it all at the table. And, and we have to begin to pick, carry crosses again. It's time to live uncomfortably again. It, it, we have to stop demanding things of people that Jesus never demanded. And, and, and you know, I, and I think that's where we're headed. And here's the deal. I think God in his mercy is going to force us there. We can either comply or he'll force it. But wow. we are going to go there. Uh, just a random thought. This is where you were talking about Adam and Eve and, 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 and thinking about this. I think about women stepping up right now. It's not about it's women. It's actually about God. There's a curse that the Lord gives Adam and there's a curse that the Lord gives Eve. And the curse that the Lord gives Adam, only Adam can heal. And it's the, the cursed land. But there's a curse that the Lord gives Eve that only Eve, only women can heal. It's about the seed. And the seed is Jesus, but it's also Israel. And I think it's the seed is the, the the historical, biblical, redemptive narrative. I think women have a calling to see that the full fruition of that of that final germination of that seed at the end of the age. 
but but God will not compete with us. The Lord will not compete with people that are just living, you know, Esther, living in the comfortable robes. Don't, don't let society, don't let the spirit of the age dictate what a women's ministry should look like. Because all we are is we're, we're the same stuff that's happening in the spirit of the age. We just have Jesus in it. Just get rid of it. Trash your idols. You know, Jason Upton is a great friend of mine. He wrote that song many years ago, Dying Star. Uh, uh, and he said, you know, that line, the greatest idol is you and me. And that's the truth. And until we can grasp that and lay ourselves down, we're not going to see a real Esther movement. So I think we're coming to that, and but it's going to require a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. Wow. Selah, right? This is one of those moments I'm sitting here thinking, this has to be how Esther felt. <laughs> Some of you are Esther right now. You were comfortable till Jose started talking. And then he's like the Mordecai that's making you super uncomfortable. And that's exactly what these moments are about, because we've got to have fathers and leaders in the faith that provoke us to the right place. And I think if there's anything we didn't plan to take from this podcast that's coming from it is that moment that Esther was at a moment where she had to get to the revelation, if I perish, I perish. And that wasn't just about her physical life. It was really about everything she had built and the empire she had attained. And many of us, you know, I tell my students, this is probably a bad analogy, but I'm like, many of us say we would die for Jesus, but we won't give up our Chick-fil-A at lunch. And so many times in America, we think of persecution and death for Jesus like the extreme, like being beheaded. But really every day we choose to die, if it's in reputation, if it's in pride, if it's in will. And um, truly walking in an Esther moment is is learning to let go of it all. And and I think you're bringing conviction. You are definitely pulling the covers off comfort. You're bringing, um, to me, what it's bringing life to me about is really helping me to separate from the agenda of the age for women yeah. and, and really stepping into that kingdom position. Um, you know, we have a Women of Fire conference slash movement we do every year. I hate the, the thought of just being a conference leader. I, I'm a firm believer in getting people in the presence of Yeah, it's important to gather. We have to yeah. do that. And, and we should do it while we can. And you understand my heart there. But that is why we have Women of Fire. For those that have listened, that have never been a part, and now I'm like, Jose, I'm going to check your schedule. You have to come, oh, okay? I don't have much <laughs> Good, I'm scheduling you. You know, Women of Fire, that's why we created it. Um, I was with a rabbi, and I was doing a a Shabbat meal and heard the revelation about how women light the candle at the table for the house because women put the candle out. And that's when the Lord spoke to me, said, I want you to teach women to relight the fire again. So Women of Fire is not a women's conference. It's really meant to be a movement to revive the whole home I love that. through the women. Yes. And so for those of you that have never connected with that, I hope you understand the heart behind that is fire in you. And I think that for such a time, as this moment for women is not because God is worried about the rights that have been taken away for women. There's a fire that has to yes. be restored to humanity by our hands um, in this time and season. So I, I don't know, I'm taking so much for this, but we still have time. So I want, you know, just to open it up to you again for any more about the estimate. First of all, will we ever get to meet any of these women, hear from them? Can you like secretly record advice and bring it I to think, me? I Can I ever meet them from a distance? We will in time, in time. <laughs> Are you going to take me to Iran? <laughs> Will I come back alive? I don't know. I told Jose, um, it was probably a couple months ago. I don't know if you remember when I reached out, I had a dream. Yep. And um, I did see like a sewer tunnel system, concrete under the ground. And, and I just kind of peeked down in it. And at the other end of it was a group of women whose faces were covered. Only their eyes were showing and they were beckoning, come, come. 
Well, I didn't even put together at the birth of this monarch movement that it was an intercessor tunnel. It was like connect. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever physically come. Well, I, th I think it's that underground movement that the Lord's raising up right now. He really is joining us to that. And, and I think the beckoning, by the way, Devin, isn't just a prayer. I think it's them inviting you to step into all another reality. Oh, you know, it's 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 like, it's like you know where Paul says, "Remember the chains." It's like, come, and 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 leave. We have to leave our place of comfort. And step into. I mean, that's the beauty of the Middle East. It's, 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 it's. You know, there, we, we, there's no comfort isn't an option if you're doing it right. Well, if you are a part of what we're doing, or God has led you to join with us, just know that what you've heard today will help you know what you're signing up for. And it's a movement of prayer. It's a movement of voluntary death for the kingdom of the Lord. It's a movement of laying ourselves down, and, and we do that just like Esther did through prayer and fasting. You can join us monthly as we pray and fast, but this will not be the last of our Mordecai moments, and I hope it's not our last with you, Jose. So when you come teach and pour into our church, I hope I can get you on here again yes. um, just to help steer a, a movement that is led by women, but it's for the body of Christ. But what else do you have to say before? Because I know some women are going to jump off because they got to go places. Some are like, please don't stop talking. You know, you're bringing life to us. What correction? What direction? What else would you say um, in this moment before I let you just bless us? Yeah. And before we get off there, anything else burning in your heart you want to release on this? Yeah, moment? just just two things I was thinking about is number one is don't, and I was saying this earlier, but don't buy into the pressure of the spirit of the age. And I think, and I think, and I'm seeing that. And listen, like I have a wife who's an amazing worship leader. Like I, I, I believe in her voice being heard. But, but it's not because like we need her, her women's voice. It's because I believe in what she carries. And I guess here's what I'm going to say. And I would say this to men. Obviously, it's important to know our identity as men. And it's important for women to know their identity as women. It's very important. Don't make womanhood an idol. Just like I would say to men, don't make manhood an idol. Right? Good. And we have to come back to where Paul says, there's neither man, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, Scythian, slave nor free. It, it, so it, we have to make sure we are rooted in that reality because uh, that, that is the truth. And so don't make, just like I would say this, I would say this to men, honestly, we cannot make that an idol, just like I can't make being Hispanic an idol. It, 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 once you got born again, you died. It is about Jesus. It's about his kingdom. And if I have to lose all of my rights for his name to be exalted on the earth, it's worth it. If I have to lose my voice for his voice to be amplified, and that that's what I'm calling people to. I'm calling all of us to back to that place is be willing to lose your name, to lose your identity, to lose your voice so that Jesus can be amplified on the earth. It's about him. If I'm going to boast, boast in our weakness, boast in the cross of our Lord, um, just, just like Paul said. But the one thing I want to say, I feel this from my heart because my wife went through a season of this. You know, for those of you that are stay-at-home moms, um, and, 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 you know, I really have a heart for stay at home moms. And I think sometimes you feel so purposeless. You feel like you're so left out. And sometimes if you're a stay at home mom, even just coming to a conference is tough because literally your husband doesn't even know how to like iron a shirt. Like nobody would not know how to survive. And you feel like, like, and, and I don't want to say this to, to sound cliche, but I really, really mean this. I, I think you have to learn the value of being an intercessor. Two things, you need to learn the value of being an intercessor before God. I mean, of all the people in the gospel that Jesus said, make sure you tell this person's story, it was Mary of Bethany. 
you can be a Mary of Bethany at home. That's number one. Number two, every mom, I think, listening to this goes to the playground. Like, don't tell me you don't have ministry opportunity. You're around lost people every day. You go to the playground. And so you just need to have a perspective, again, because everything's about the platform. It's not about the platform. You're, the playground is your mission field. Start making disciples at the playground. And I would encourage you, don't just go to the playground with Christian moms, because we're supposed to be fishers of men. So you got to smell like fish. Go out there and don't be afraid to be around lost people. But, you know, anyways, that was two things I wanted to say. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you did. You have no idea how many will listen to it and need those words. Um, and as a mom of six, I've walked that journey. And I'll never forget when my journey with whatever movement this is that women are leaving, leading long ago, for those of you that have been around a long time from the Zion Project to all the things we've done, it started when I was a stay-at-home mom. And I remember sitting in my living room in despair thinking, Lord, what am I doing for your kingdom? And that's when the Lord taught me to pray. Um, and in a time of intercession with my babies on my lap, I remember having a vision of moms who were praying and moving the world. Yeah. And I um, began to look at scripture that of all the women who change nations, they did it with the children they birthed. So I'm so glad you said that. I'd even tell you to say that. No. That was the spirit of the Lord, because that is an untapped leadership group that does have the power to yes. move the world. Yes. So I hope you take those words to heart and know that he was prophesying over you. Stay-at-home moms are like this, like like secret prayer team like SEAL Team 6, they're like God's secret prayer team. I love it. I'm obsessed with SEAL Team. That's why oh. Jeremiah's laughing as he's watching this podcast. Well, let's do this then, Jose. Um, the time is yours from now to when we finish. If you want to prophesy or just pray, I just want you to bless them, release yeah. what God has given in your heart, and then you can stay tuned. I will definitely have them back in more Mordecai moments again. If you want to join what we're doing with the Monarch Society, we're running, fasting, and praying. We're going to fast the first three days of every month this year for our nation, for Israel, the nations of the earth. We'll be going to L.A., to St. Louis, to Nashville. We'll have that information out there. But if you can't go anywhere, do what Jose just said. You can join us in fasting and prayer, and that could quite possibly be the most potent thing yeah. you could ever do in this movement. Yeah. But Jose, I just want to release you now to follow the Spirit of the Lord and pray, and then we'll be done. Yeah, Lord. I want to thank you for these women that you're raising up in this hour. And uh, I, I, God, I just see this. It's like the Lord removing from Esther the garments of the Persian palace and putting on her the garments of fasting and prayer. Father, would you, I, I want to pray that you would strip off the robes of entitlement Father, that you would strip off the robes of comfort and convenience and you would release over a, a generation of Esthers that, that, that morning spirit, that even that book of lamentations, that fervor, that urgency, that, and it's really, it's the mirror, not the cry of, oh, Lord, come, Lord. Father, that you would raise up, it, and I'm not trying to be cheesy, but I feel this, it's those midwives that are helping birth it's this final move of God as we come to the frontiers of history, as we come to the finish line of history. Father, release the spirit of supplication, or even as Isaiah said, the spirit of burning over these women all over the West, Father. And, and, and Lord, I, I pray for that prayer tunnel. It's, it's, I, and I believe it, it's a back and forth conversation 
between women in the West and women in the East of intercession. And it's this like underground tunnel, like an underground railroad of intercession that's going to bring real freedom and real deliverance. And, and I just, as intercession is sown from the West, I feel like the sound of the East is going to be sown into the West, but it's going to be a back and forth. Lord, raise up these women. They don't, they don't need to be heard. They don't need to be famous. They don't need their names out there. They just, they're satisfied simply partnering with you, Jesus. And Lord, we love you. And Lord, I just bless everybody listening. Father, bless them, Lord. Keep them, cover them. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you so much for words of life today. Um, and we bless you and Dana and your beautiful children and can't wait to hear from you again soon. Well, we're the ones blessed to be here. So bless y'all.